you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Tired, I wrote several novels loosely based on what I had learned over the many years in covert operations. One outline revolved around the Kennedy assassination, Central McGuffin, the confessions of the CIA's head of Latin American covert operations to his son. I was one of the two case officers who handled Lee Harvey Oswald. After working to establish his Marxist bona fide, we gave him the mission of killing Fidel Castro in Cuba. I helped him when he came to Mexico City to get his visa and when he returned to Dallas to wait for it. I saw him twice there. We rehearsed the plan many times. In Havana, Oswald was to assassinate Castro using a sniper's rifle from an upper floor window overlooking the road that Castro used to drive by in an open jeep. Whether Oswald was a double agent or a psycho, I'm not sure. And I don't know why he assassinated Kennedy. But what I do know is he used exactly the same plan that we had practiced against Castro. Therefore, the CIA did not anticipate the assassination of the president, but we're responsible for it. Before we get started here today, I wanted to send out a big, warm, huge thank you uh, to everyone around the world. I mean, there's been a, a, a massive uptick in listens uh, from the UK, uh, Taiwan, what's up Taipei, uh, Rippenden in the UK, London, New York, uh, Saskatoon, Canada, all over, man, all over. So. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please keep coming back. Please keep sharing links. Click the like button. There's a little heart icon there. Just click it if you like what you hear. You know, It gets me more exposure with Spreaker, and they feature me more. So that would help out greatly. 
Um, also, on my YouTube channel, The Lone Gummin Podcast, I am going to start putting these episodes up on YouTube <clears throat> with the assistance of Mr. Chuck Ocelli, who I greatly appreciate. The first one uh, that I put up there is the uh, Barry Krush episode. So, feel free to check it out. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, that would be awesome. And uh, look out for big things coming. And without further ado, I bring to you the Hitman. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 76 of the Lone Gummin Podcast. This is your boy Rob Clark, and today it's Conversations with the Hitman. That's right, my buddy Matthew Shifley is on the show. How you doing, Matthew? I'm great, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, we've been friends for a while, you know, better part of a year, I think, and uh, I know you've been on Chuck O'Chelly's show before. And you do a really great blog online. It's to, it's, uh, to seek a newer world, uh, dot wordpress dot com. And, uh, for everybody out there trying to find it, you leave out the E on, uh, the, the second E in newer. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So to, I'll put a link up on the website for, for everybody to go check it out. But that is the main reason, uh, that I wanted you to have, have you on the show today because you've been doing some really great work. Um, for those of you out there who, you know, who don't know you, um, just let everybody know a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got interested in the case and what prompted you to start a blog. So, um, I, I, I'd have to go back to 1977, 78 when the Kennedy library opened to begin my Kennedy, uh, my Kennedy story. Um, I lived on Cape Cod. Um, anybody who's in the Hyannis area knows that the Kennedys are a big presence, presence, um, you know, in the summers down there. And, um, what happened is, uh, when I went to the Kennedy library as a youngster with my, my family and, um, my mother in the middle of going through the library the first time, uh, was just in tears. And, uh, as a young boy, I couldn't quite understand, you know, wrap my head around everything that was going on as we toured the library. Right. And at the time, uh, the Kennedy library was much more of a, um, a, a somber experience. Uh, if you go today, it's been renovated. It's, it's a much more educational experience. Um, uh, a great place to go if you have children and, and you want to go through the election process right now. It's a really outstanding place to go. Um, but, uh, watching my mother, I think, um, have that such a strong reaction to, to, uh, uh, the, the visit to the museum and seeing her in tears kind of got my curiosity going. And then in college, uh, I was a history major, and I decided to do my uh, thesis paper on uh, the Alliance for Progress. So I literally spent my my half of my senior year living in the Kennedy Library, pouring through boxes, uh, look for primary sources. And um, from there, I, I would say, like a lot of people, I think, um, you know, you, you, you see the uh, JFK movie and your interest gets peaked even further. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, from there, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I read a Mark Lane book and um, really started buying every book under the sun that I could read. And um, I think the 50th coming up, I, I, you know, life happens. You, know, you have children, you get busy, yep. you step away from things for a little while. And then the 50th came up and I started going into some of the chat rooms on Facebook and um, getting into some disagreements. So, uh, Fred James and I uh, went back and forth quite a, quite a few 
sometimes <laughs> yeah. uh, debating each other uh, in the Bureau, if I remember correctly. I'm not a member of many groups anymore, but uh, it was the Bureau, if I remember right. And Fred was so far on the conspiracy side, and I tend to be more centrist, I think. I think that's probably why I rub people the wrong way, is, is I do see conspiracy, but I also don't see conspiracy where everybody else does. So, uh, you know, it was, those, were, those were fun times back then, but I think... Um, the groups, I had to step back because there's just so much misinformation out there. So that really, uh, thanks to the encouragement of uh, Gail, uh, Gail Nix, uh, I, I, you know, she encouraged me to try writing a little bit. And my first blogs weren't that great, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I had some serious issues with them. I'm still a work in progress as far as that goes. Uh, but um, I, I just feel compelled to debunk things that aren't accurate or present things that are. And, and maybe that's a little bit more important is trying to make uh, sound arguments one way or another uh, based on the historical record. And um, that's that's really what got me going is, is my blood pressure goes up when I see things being put out there uh, that quite historically accurate. Um, so that, that kind of got me going. And, and now I'm really at that point where I'm trying to decide, do I, do I have the skills to write a book? <laughs> and, it's uh, hard. You know, it's, it's very it's hard. Fun. It's fun. It's fun. You're really out there. You're vulnerable. It's a, it's a vulnerability thing that, that I don't necessarily enjoy. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it at this point. Right now, I mean, it sounds like we have a lot more in common than I than I originally thought. Because I too, um, you know, well, not 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 the JFK Library part, but of course, you know, the movie part. You know, reading as many books as you can get your hands on, and uh, you know, feeling compelled to debunk myths. I mean, uh, I, I actually, I actually, Matthew, I used to do a blog uh, called the Conspiracy Critic blog. And I think for almost two years, and this was right around the time that uh, that Jim Fetzer and uh, and company, Ralph Sinkay and all the boys, uh, had just started with their their big discovery of Oswald in the doorway, <laughs> and uh, I felt compelled to you know write write the wrongs that they were trying to put out there. And you know, like like a good gift horse, they keep they keep giving, and <laughs> and like so many others out there, you know, they keep, they keep giving too, and uh, you know that's where I kind of got back into the swing of things. I mean, it, it was actually I, I sent Jim Fetzer an email, real polite, real nice, real respectful, um, you know, trying to point out to him, you know, why it's not Oswald in the doorway, uh, using primary source material and, and other evidence and testimony and and this that and the other. And uh, I got back a really nasty response, a really immature, nasty response from him. Um, and I was like, okay, well, that's it. Then I'm going to do my own work. I'm going to do my own blog, and I'm going to put it out there so that other people, when they look up his stuff, they're going to see my stuff. And hopefully it gives it another voice to what they're trying to spread out there, like manure all over the JFK community, uh, because that's what most of this stuff is. And... and I, like I said, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what that uh, prompt is to want to to want to you know debunk certain myths. I guess it's just trying to clean clean things up a little bit, you know. Absolutely, and I, I 
is there's so many the good thing is it's a curse and it's a blessing there's so many people who are truly genuinely interested in this but they don't have the time to to dive into and sit in front of uh you know the mary Ferrell site for hours on end yeah pouring through document after document so so that that little bit of truth um that that they somehow seem to people somehow seem to work work into their <laughs> I, I want to call it mythology uh you know, a little bit of truth that gets worked into the mythology can be a dangerous thing because on the surface it can appear very logical and very reasonable. But when you dig into um, so much of what's out there, um, you know, as far as primary sources, it, it takes hours. <laughs> it it yeah. really does. And I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I would say I'm so thankful for all of the authors that have gone on before us, you know, I, I'm thankful for the work that they've done. I'm thankful that so many of this generation's authors, um, Gail Nix, Jackson, Bill Simpich, um, Jefferson Morley has responded to me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Larry Hancock has responded to me. All of these authors have, have been outstanding at, at uh, answering questions. You know, you feel yeah. welcomed by them. And while I feel like I'm just this novice you know, exploring. It's encouraging to have uh, authors actually say, "No, you're kind of on the right track," and and I think it's reaffirming to them from my conversations with some of them that uh, you know, if, if I come to the, if I'm looking at everything with a clean set of eyes and I'm looking at the evidence and I'm starting to reach the same conclusions of uh, of them, uh, they, they 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 are really uh, they get excited about that because it's reaffirming for them as well and the work that they've done. So um, it's it's a it's an awesome journey. I wish everybody had time to really do that primary source thing. I, I've been to yeah. the National Archives. I spent, like I said, the Kennedy Library. It's, I'm like a kid in a candy store. My poor wife, when we went to Washington D.C., you know, I'm, I'm like, well, let's go to the archives, and she's thinking the Declaration of Independence, and I'm thinking downstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 always interesting. Um, to, to go on, and I tend to go into my research from a, a point of conspiracy. I tend to go in it. Um, I, 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 my, my mind, I guess, works that way, and I, I get mad as I do my research. There, there will be times where I will put the computer down and walk away because I'm so angry that I just disproved what I really said about trying to prove. <laughs> so I have this love hate relationship with with the way I approach it. Um, but I do tend to approach everything through the lens of conspiracy and it, it gets tough because like I said, it's frustrating when you have in your mind, um, this is, you know, this is what's going to happen or this is where I think it's going. Um, it's painful for me sometimes because I don't like putting anything out until I've researched it to death. And I've had that feedback from good friends of mine who read, you know, read what I put out there that they're not, they're not really into the, the Kennedy assassination uh, realm, but they'll read my stuff because they're my friends, and they'll be like, man, it's just too detailed. <laughs> yeah. It's too detailed. But see, that's what that's uh, what I like about it, I, because, you know, when, when you, you know, you read your stuff, and, and you do document, you know, all your source material, you footnote everything, and, you know, it's really detailed, and, you know, that's what, you know, JFK researchers are looking for, and that's what makes it hard to argue with your conclusions, uh, you know, when you're when you're using very well sourced material and primary documentation. And, and the other thing I would say I've, I've 
this. Uh, it's funny. Uh, to, 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 I went back and I looked at some of the, the blogs that I did. did. One of my favorite ones is just an innocuous little one about, uh, it's called the Situate, uh, what is it, the Situate Radio State. The Swan, oh, what was it? A Swan, a Drippy Cuban, and the Situate Radio Station, I think, was the title of it. And that really meant a lot to me because in my research on that one, um, again, uh, I'll, I'll make a statement. Dave Phillips is the guy I am most obsessed with. <laughs> so a lot of my research... When I'm when I'm not trying to respond to inaccuracies, a lot of uh, I'd say the last two years has been around Dave Phillips, and, and I came across um, the history of the Bay of Pigs, and there was this story about this dripping Cuban, and Phillips had this idea that they were going to stage a kidnapping and have the kidnap you know the, the person who gets kidnapped is going to get put on a boat, and then they're going to escape to freedom uh, uh, just you know just before they're being dropped at the Soviet Union, and he, he wanted to create these stories of propaganda to use against Cuba, and as I'm researching these radio stations, I, I found out that one of the radio stations he used, the transmitting points for shortwave radio, was here in Situate, Massachusetts, and of course, I'm like a kid in a candy store going, all right, I'm going on a field trip, because I want to find this place, yeah. and I found it. It was, uh, it was called the Situate Proving Grounds, and that radio station was used as the voice of America. America, uh, during World War II, uh, it was the, 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 you can still see the uh, concrete towers where the uh, station, the, the radio transmitters were, and um, the, the actual buildings where it was housed, it's all off limits, although I, I, this is how sick I am, I was tempted to buy a drone <laughs> and try and fly it in because I could see some broken windows, <laughs> yeah. but I was afraid I'd never get the drone back. So <laughs> yeah, it can be a little so, tricky to um, get it back out of there. Those things are fun. Those are those are you know it's not controversial, but it's it's fun. The private strand story. Um, there's so many little tiny side stories that you can encounter as you do your research. Yeah, I was gonna um, I was gonna ask you about that, that, that actually. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying I was gonna ask you about that the, the uh, Martin Strand story because it comes up. Have you ever read the book, uh, The Oswald Re Reflection by Larry Names? No. Um, it, it's faction. It's it's fiction based on, you know, fact, history. Um, yeah. And I've had Larry on the show a couple of times, and he uh, he thinks that that is, could possibly be, you know, uh, more than what it appeared to be. And I know from just from reading your article, you know, it, it's possible that it could be more than what it appeared to be. But there's a lot of unanswered questions also, you know, surrounding the whole event. Absolutely. It, it's, well, it, you know, it's, it's one of those, let me see if I can call it up, because I don't, I, I'm speaking from memory, which is, it, it, you know, closing in on 50 isn't always the greatest <laughs> thing for me. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find it. I know I have it there. Uh, what I was going to say, anyway, while, while I'm looking for it, is uh, I went into that one, um, completely convinced that this was, you know, this was going to be a, a, another nail in the, in, in, in the coffin of the story, you know, as to, uh, you know, did, was he a spy? Was he, you know, breaking in? Was he doing things to try and get information on the U-2 planes that he brought when he defected? And, um, I, um, my computer's not allowing me to get to it for some reason. Um, I guess, I guess with Shrand, with that story, um, 
if my memory is correct, it, it kind of stems from one or two soldiers uh, that kind of came forward after the assassination. Right. And I think, if I remember right, Naval Intelligence, there it is, I got it now. Naval Intelligence did their own, I mean, did a pretty detailed investigation. What I, what I think is suspicious about this is... You know, they're alleging he shot himself doing the manual of arms. Right. <laughs> and my my whole thing is, why was he? Why would he have been doing the man? I mean, I was in the in the service. And he, he, I don't ever remember doing the manual of arms uh, with a loaded weapon. <laughs> right. It was always, you know, you did it during inspection time. You know, and, and your weapon was never loaded. Um, well, his weapon wasn't supposed so, to be loaded at all. Exactly. Unless That's he needed correct. it to be. And, as I'm, as I'm skimming through what I wrote uh, almost a little over a year ago, I guess. Um, yeah, he wasn't. He, he was issued, I think, five shells, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And they were supposed to be kept in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And he was not to arm the weapon unless uh, there was a threat to the uh, to the airplanes uh, that were stored in the uh, I don't know what you call it, the silo or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Hanger, thank you. There it is. There's a word. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think there was some innocuous thing in, in some of the soldier statements that he loved to do the manual of arms, and you know, it, it looks to me like you know that's great. But when in my entire career, eight years, did I ever do the manual of arms with a loaded weapon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, in the dark. That, that to me is a little suspect. That, that to me is a little suspect, but it was and at the time. Oh, and I didn't do a complete investigation of it, and I don't believe Oswald's name came up in the course of their investigation. Um, so I don't think he was a suspect at the time. It, it kind of spread to become part of that legend stuff that you know people uh, wrote about. Uh, it's interesting, Wilcott. I'm looking. I have Wilcott in there. You know, I, I, I got to apologize for people who do go to my blog. Um, when Barry Farrell updated their um, site, uh, I did all my links using the image URL, but they don't do that anymore. So I lost a lot of images that I have to go back in as I'm looking at this and, and update. Um, Walcott, uh, Wilcott, that's who it was. Wilcott was the one, was somebody who claimed Oswald, Oswald was on the payroll, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, he came forward at the HSCA. Um, and, um, you know, that, that was kind of, you know, my, my thing was, uh, was, was this the incident? Wilcott, uh, I think they were, the, the possibility was that Oswald was involved in this and they covered it up to get him to become an agent or something like that. Uh, some weird stuff out there around this whole thing. It's, but again, those are the fun, those are some of the fun things that really aren't, you know, huge in the, you know, controversial end of things, but they're fun to go explore. Um, I, I, I had the same kind of fun, um, with the, uh, the Eric Rogers stuff, um, which, you know, again, um, I, I don't want to turn this into a conversation about Miss Baker, um, but I'll, I'll say this, my Eric Rogers research was, was a direct result of some claims she made about him as being a front for, for Lee and, and renting 4907 and Lee paid for his utilities and all this other stuff. And, and, and the research I did on that was, was a lot of fun um, because it's, it's just, you know, he's just this guy who got dragged into it. Um, 
stamped. He had flyers with the wrong post office box stamped. He had yeah. flyers, you know, that... that he had Camp Street on a couple. Uh, like he's a 4905 magazine. But the notion that... The notion that he didn't want anybody to know where he lived is kind of silly because he got in trouble for hanging one of the Fair Play for Cuba posters in his porch window. So yeah. he wasn't hiding. No, <laughs> not at all. And, I, and I'll tell you one of the one of the one of the big points of that article that I didn't know and is very interesting to me um, was that the uh, was it the. Uh, I guess the post office was on alert. He was part of a mail opening program. Uh, I guess because yes, of, because of yes, his defection. That, that was really cool to find. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I guess it was you know because he was a, a defector, um, and that you know the, if the post office saw mail coming coming out or, or going in, that they would notify the FBI and they would come open his mail and read it and report back to Washington. You know, so you. Know, for all these people out there that say, you know, the FBI was not watching this guy, um, I, I safely say that that says otherwise. You know what I mean? Right. They, they knew where he was. Right. They knew his addresses. You know, they, you know, they knew what he was up to, basically. And the interesting thing about that is, is if it's the same program that I've kind of bumped into, I, I bumped into it again last night. HT Lingual, I think, is what it was called. Yeah. That's that's an Angleton program, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I've kind of shied away from really looking into Angleton at this point in my my journey. Uh, but uh, it was interesting to bump into his name last night. I kind of got sidetracked in some of the work I was uh, doing last night, and, and, and I found the uh, the uh, memo to headquarters from Mexico City about. Uh, Angleton getting the contents of Winscott's safe, yeah. and uh, that was that was an interesting read last night. It, it's, I, I, I tend not to try and go proving that the big wigs were involved or weren't involved, but um, it, it, you know some of these paths kick back to the same person, and maybe that's by virtue of their position. You know, uh, <laughs> I, you know uh, as, as the boss or one of the bosses, maybe things just channel that way back up to him. But the man seemed to know a lot more than he ever let on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's head of counterintelligence, and he would have been one of the key people watching these defectors when they came back, you know, from Russia, especially Russia, and, and it, you know, any communist nation. He would have definitely been... You know, he, he would definitely have his eye on, on Lee Oswald, bringing a Russian wife back. And, Absolutely. You know, that's what I'm saying. All, all, you know, all these lone nutters and stuff, they try to tell you that, oh, no, nobody was watching Oswald. They just, you know, let him come back, gave him some money to come back, and let him live his life. But no, <laughs> that's, that's quite the contrary, actually. I go back to it. I'm not a big 9-11 conspiracist. I've stayed out of that as well. I, I, it, it's still too fresh and raw to me um, I, for, for personal reasons. Um, but I, I, I would say this. I, it, it's There's some similarities in a lack of communication and follow-through. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at a minimum, you know, people not talking to each other or people not following through on information that was shared. Um uh, that kind of stuff really bothers me. I think one of the big examples of that would be, um, and, and, and I'm, this is where I'm knee deep right now is, is uh, like I said to you, I'm following Phillips. I'm, I'm 
chase down every possible name the man used. <laughs> but um, Good luck. in the course of in course of some of the work that I've been doing, um, I um I, I I'm looking at the October 10th cable, uh, which is a response from headquarters to Win Scott's cable of October 9th, saying, you know, it's it's the famous cable that links Oswald to the Mystery Man photograph, and um, I'm not I don't want to go down the mystery man path just yet because I'm still formulating my opinions on that. Right. Um, but I go back to those two cables and what is, what is really absent, um, in my, in the course of my research and what I'm trying to figure out is why in the world didn't headquarters share the up-to-date information with Mexico city. They, they responded. They talked about Oswald's defection to the Soviet union, but they don't mention the fair, fair play for Cuba. They don't mention, and there's no way that that stuff wasn't there for them to, to, to inform when Scott about, um, so that, that kind of stuff to me still, you know, needs answers. I, I love, um, state secret by Bill Sempich. Um, cause Bill has this fantastic hypothesis that, kind of fits whether Oswald was an agent or wasn't an agent. He, he, he unknowingly was being used as a marked card <laughs> right. um, to, to track down moles, you know, and, and I think it's a wonderful hypothesis because it fits either way. <laughs> right. So he knew he was being used. Okay, great. But he also could, and I, I think that's what I, the beauty of what Bill's research is, has led to is this, you know, Maybe the reason they didn't share what they knew <laughs> is because they were still working on trying to find them all. And, and that's a perfectly reasonable hypothesis, but it does stand out like a, a sore thumb uh, in relation to those particular cables where they're, you know, you can see Mexico City, give us a photograph, give us a photograph. No photograph as of November 22nd, six weeks later, no photograph from anywhere. Yeah. No response other than the... I did come across in some research um, last night, and I, I haven't bookmarked anything or saved it, so it's, it's somewhere on my computer. Um, but I came across some research last night that, that uh, when Angleton was fired, it took them two to three years to go through all of the safes that he had in CIA headquarters. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and what, what's interesting is you go to... Um, some of the documents about this and and they basically some of the safes had to, they had to bring in safe cutters <laughs> you know safe code breakers because he he hadn't left them with the passwords and um there's this this stuff related to the kennedy assassination that was in there that wasn't in any of the regular files and um Unfortunately, you know, if I've read everything correctly, a lot of it was destroyed. And one of the things that I do find interesting is when you go back to what Winscott wrote in his, in his, um, you know, his, his own memoir there, um, and you start reading what was in there. And I think the Lopez report really, uh, for those of you who are interested, if you go to the Lopez report, they do work that into the Lopez report. And it's something that, uh, when you look at some of the testimony, I mean, Angleton, uh, by, uh, 1978 was questioned about the manuscript and, and, uh, Helms, I believe was questioned about the manuscript. Um, and then, uh, Witten, Witten was questioned about the manuscript as well under, under oath. And, and they all to a T say when Scott was, just 
horrible at what he did. Yeah. And Scott's, Scott's manuscript claims that he notified them of everything from the moment Oswald got there. But the cables aren't there. You know, the cables aren't there. The traffic, the cable traffic isn't there to support that he ever notified them about the uh, contact with the Cuban embassy. And, um, you know, his manuscript says basically, you know, despite whatever the people are going to say, I did my job, you know, it, 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 I'm paraphrasing, but that's what you can imply from reading it. Um, I, I, this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's a great little wormhole to travel down. Yeah. I don't know how successful you're going to be if, if, if the real answers were in, in, in uh, Angleton's safe, which, you know, by some of the records, contents were destroyed. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to look into these things and think about it. But I, I'm not ready to go out on a limb, but... If, if Scott's telling the truth, you know, again, he wasn't under oath, and unfortunately the man passed away. But uh, if Scott were telling the truth in that manuscript, then it raises the question, were, were cables being hidden? Were, was there backdoor channels between Scott and Angleton, which is very possible. They were friends. Um, if I'm reading the uh, information correctly, Scott's wife at the time was, was excited to have Angleton you know, not excited, but happy to, to have Angleton come in and, and go through the contents of the safe before her own attorneys. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you start to wonder about these relationships and backdoor channels. The other thing, you know, that, that I find interesting is there's a lot of question about did the FBI have their own wiretapping going on down there? And uh, aside from what the CIA did, and that's another perfectly reasonable uh, suspicion. Um, <laughs> we, we know the Mexican government had their own wiretaps going. So, you know, some of the <laughs> some, some of the things that I would love to really get down and explore would be um, where are there tapes of the phone calls that the Mexican government possessed? You know, uh, were there tapes or was it just transcripts? Um, if they had tapes, you know, is that where, is that where, uh, you know, you, the whole controversy over you know, around uh, FBI agents or, or people from the Warren Commission hear, hearing the uh, the alleged recordings? Um, you know, were they on? Like, my questions would be like, were they on loan from the Mexican government? Because there's all that controversy. Do we have the tapes? Do we not have the tapes? <laughs> was it the? You know, <laughs> it, it's, you can go around and round with this stuff, and it, like I said, it's it's sometimes like going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised some of those embassies didn't burn down was from having so many wires going into them from different places. And, you know, I just picture, like, the inside of those walls of those places just a mess and knot of wires. And, you know, you could you could imagine, you know, that one person would find the other person's stuff in there where they're installing their own stuff. And, it, it, it's, you know, it's crazy to think about. But, you know, like, like you were saying earlier, you know, I, I don't think, well, even recently, but especially back then when Hoover was alive that that the FBI was sharing much with the CIA unless they had mutual interest in doing so um and that could that could account for a lot of problems too you know when it when it comes to Oswald because you know the CIA wasn't supposed to work inside the United States you know the continental United States their foreign affairs foreign intelligence and the F, you know, the responsibility would have fallen on the FBI to, you know, be aware of this guy and what he's doing inside the United States. And I think, you know, you, you things things got crossed a lot back then. Things got neglected. 
you know, people didn't talk, you know, back then, interagency uh, communication was probably not too good back then, you know, because I don't think Hoover was a big fan of the CIA um, at all. Can I, uh, can I interrupt for one moment? Sure. Hoover loved the Mexico City Station. I've got some great quotes uh, about... You know, the, the fact that he, hold on, let me see. I, it's hard for me to talk and walk at the same time. Never mind, uh, look for, uh, look for a document. Hold on one second. I think, I think I might have it in my drafts because I was working on something. Hoover really had a lot of respect for Mexico City and Clark Anderson, who was the uh, FBI agent, the liaison who was stationed in Mexico City, worked very uh, closely with Wynn Scott and with uh, Dave Antley Phillips. And uh, there's a, a story that's been written about uh, uh, Eldon Henson. It's a perfect example of how well they worked together. Um, Eldon Henson, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but uh, multiple authors have written about him. Um, he, he was, a, a, according to the teletypes, a cattleman, but um, he, he had some military background, and he had uh, called the Cuban embassy on, uh, I want to say, July 19th, 1963, and, and offered, he offered up, uh, his services, which was to help get equipment and stuff into Cuba. And um, basically, he, he calls, and the, you know, the, the woman, uh, it was Luisa Calderon, uh, to, to, I don't know, many of you out there probably know her name, but she was, she was one of the embassy employees. And she took the call, and she tried to get him to come in, and he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't go in because he was afraid that they would, uh, they would catch him going in, not thinking that they would ever have a wiretap. So this is one of uh, Dave Phillips, in my opinion, one of his you know, great example of the capabilities of the station. Uh, you know, speaks with uh, Clark Anderson. Uh, he sets up a sting because uh, Eldon Henson was supposed to return back to Texas on uh, Saturday the 20th. So he, this phone calls around 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't have anything in front of me, so I'm speaking from memory right now. Okay. About 11 o'clock in the morning, there's this phone call to the Cuban embassy. By the afternoon, Dave Phillips has got um, Amsale One, who his name was Carlos Fernandez Trujillo. Uh, Carlos Fernandez Trujillo is one of the big assets uh, for the station. They used him in, uh, to, you know, uh, bringing in uh, possible uh, recruits. They used him in uh, helping defectors. Uh, he, he, he was a very important source inside Mexico uh, for for Phillips and the CIA station. Um, but long story short, by that afternoon, they've got the guy meeting them for lunch. <laughs> They're meeting him for lunch that afternoon. We're talking hours later. And bam, you know, you've got You've got uh, Phillips is allegedly, according to his autobiography, he was there. Uh, you've got Lawrence Barker, who was Phillips' um, next in command as far as Cuban operations under Phillips. He's he's there. You've got Amsale One in the room, sitting at the table with them. <laughs> they gather all the information on this guy, and according to Phillips' biography, he was arrested when 
he landed back in Texas the next day. <laughs> so you look at their capabilities. You look at what they were capable of doing and inserting themselves. Uh, I, I think uh, Newman talks about how they can insert themselves into someone's life and not even realize that they had done that. They had this guy convinced he was meeting with Cubans <laughs> and had him arrested the next day. <laughs> nice. And that's that's perfect a perfect example of you know how you know yeah i think in general you're right when you make a statement about fbi and cia not necessarily sharing intel and working together but when you look at um the statements by hoover and the state of about mexico city and you see the statements you know you see stories like this the henson thing is quite interesting um sippage uh bill bill came up with um a follow-up document from headquarters that chastised Mexico City. It was in a dispatch, and it chastised Mexico City for the whole operation that they did on him. And um, basically, you know, they're worried about their sources. They're worried about the envoy being exposed. So they <laughs> they, they, they write this, you know, you need to rethink this because what if what if the Cubans had actually reached out to Eldon Henson? <laughs> yeah. It was going to be, oh, well, I, I already talked to you guys, <laughs> you know, so it, it was a great dispatch. And, 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 and then in, in Scott's monthly report, which he sent, I think it was around August 8th, and I back is his response, which is this is the way we behave when Americans contact. This is what we do. Can I say a, a, a bitch slap? It was like a bitch slap back at headquarters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Feel <laughs> Say, free to say whatever you want. This is how <laughs> we behave you know, it's, it's within 15 minutes of, of, of contact by an American, we take action. And I think that really highlights it. And why this form is in Oswald's 201 file is beside me. It really, you know, it raises the whole question in my mind as to <laughs> why is Eldon Henson's story part of Oswald's 201 file, first of all? Yeah. And second of all, um, what... Do you expect us to believe that you behave this way <laughs> for a guy that you had no trace on? <laughs> yeah, just a random guy, yeah. Right? A random guy. But Oswald, <laughs> clearly an American. You've got it recorded. We've got Wynn Scott on the night, uh, the morning of the 28th the, from the transcripts of the 27th. Can we identify this guy? Yeah. On the top of the transcript. <laughs> so it... it raises the question, uh, you know, and I, I, I go back to why didn't why didn't they run an operation like this in Oswald? Or maybe they did. And that's that's really what's got me going down. That's the wormhole I'm kind of trapped in. I've been trapped in it now for about seven or eight months. Um, is the whole Eldon Henson story has me so wrapped up in how they did they behave the way they said they behaved um, towards Oswald. And, you know, I, I I'm not sure you can say that they did. Um, the one thing that is curious, though, is, is Phillips was the one who ran that operation, and he was not in Mexico City at the time of the Oswald visit. We know that. That's that's well documented. So you, know, you kind of question, in Phillips' autobiography, he throws his, Mexico, his uh, Soviet counterpart basically under the bus, saying the information sat on his desk and the man did nothing. Um, <laughs> and, and we know Phillips wasn't there, so you, you kind of go back and forth in your head as to, geez, if Phillips were there, maybe he would have caught him. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to believe, you know, that, that Oswald supposedly went there, but, you know, the pictures we get are not of Oswald. The recordings we get are not of Oswald. You know, which makes you think that there's some kind of a reason for that, you know? I, you know, and, and it's funny, you, you, uh, that book you had, uh, talked about in, in your podcast about a month ago, uh, I, I, I dove right in. I bought that book after, uh, after your episode. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. With the yeah. Russians, with the Russians, and, and it was very interesting to read that, um, that he, you know, they're saying he was there on the 28th. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, which, which I kind of, this is, I, I was like, oh, this is where the impersonation occurred, but they're like, adamant he was there on the 28th. It, you know, what's, one of the things, Rob, that, that I, I'm not convinced it was an impersonation, although I, I am leaning that way. Um, Newman has probably done the best at convincing me <laughs> yeah. with his work uh, that, that there, there may have been something. But Newman, I think, even takes it a step further in some of his writing, um, where he talks about um, potentially, I believe he, he interviewed um, the, Ru- the Russian that wrote the book that you were talking about. Oh, if, really? Uh, he has him on record as saying there were no telephone operations inside the embassy on a Saturday. So it, it would lead you to believe that you've got Oswald being impersonated, you've got um, Duran being impersonated, and you have the Soviet on the other end being impersonated. Why? <laughs> you know, why? Because if, if, if you go back to Duran, Duran insists that Oswald wasn't there on the Saturday. The console does. <laughs> so these stories get, you know, it's 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 unfortunate because you've got, you know, people with different stories with different recollections, and, and that's you know part of life is everybody has their own recollection of things. So I, I wish I could tell you I have weighed in one way or another. The closest, uh, the, the closest that I've come to, uh, to to believing that he was faked on the phone calls was. That's that's, but I'm still kind of, I'm still working through that one, and I, I I will when I make up my mind, I'll I'll probably blog about it because it's been a long journey. Yeah. Um, I try and look at all of the sources that people use before coming to conclusion, you know. Um, I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. I mean, you know, when it comes to something as confusing and and deep and. Uh, you know, as Mexico City and, and several other aspects of the case, you know, when you get into Tippett assassination, when you get into, you know, what was going on in New Orleans, this, you know, in the summer and, and things get really confusing and, and, you know, it's hard to tell up from down, right from left, you know, and it, it takes a lot to clear out, you know, the shape of, of 50 years of, uh, you know, God knows what. I mean, and just just to touch on that a little bit too, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't speak about one of your finer works, um, "Vindication for Carrie Thornley." <laughs> I mean, look, I knew you know I've been interested in, in in Carrie Thornley for a while, and I thought he had a very interesting story. I mean, you know, this guy wrote a book about Oswald before the assassination. You know, it's just you know one of those crazy it's one of those crazy things. You know that just you know, serendipitously happens, you know, sometimes. And, you know, the stories, and I will say stories, um, you know, that we've heard from, from, uh, Miss Baker, um, you know, while through a wider lens, 
you know, it's a, it's a good story. You know, the one she tells, you know, that you know gets all the hot horny housewives worked up and the people that wrote, you know read romance novels and 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 all that. You know, it's a great story. You know, the the love affair and all this and that. But when you start really digging, and I mean digging into her story, into the details, damn near nothing holds up when it comes to what she has to say about you know pertaining to the assassination and, and Lee Oswald in New Orleans that summer. Say um, again, it's a, it's a, a great example of um, mixing truth with myth, and um, you know, it's it's. Um, I, I'll say this: I I do think she remembers him. I think she. I I, I would never question that. Um, if I were to put my money down, there's probably some truth to what she says um, about knowing him. Right. But beyond that scope of, of her recollections, um, I have issue with, for example, Thornley. And, um, you know, I, I'm close to doing, I, I, I've got, I've been doing one of my research, Rob, and, and um, one of the sources that uh, she has said proves that Oswald was, uh, was associating with Thornley, or Thornley was associating with Marina, um, is this Schwegman memo or letter that she talks about. Right. And the Schwegman letter is, uh, and this is kind of where I, I, I get into, I haven't made any statements about it uh, in my book. I'm going to wait until I am holding the document in my hand. Um, but my, my research is leaving, leading me to believe that that by her, but other authors as well. This is where I take issue is there seems to be a lot of, oh, so-and-so wrote about this. I'm going to use their source without ever looking at the source. Right. If that makes sense to you. Um, oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's not acceptable research methods from any, you know, college that I have attended. Um, I know when I did my history degree, you, you weren't allowed to do that. And what I think has happened is I think some people over time have not taken the time to go back and look at this letter and the Schweigman letter, basically. Um, if, if I understand everything correct, and like I said, Rob, I want to have it in my hand before I make it an official statement. But um, he basically wrote a letter to Garrison reporting that one of his employees uh, was alleging to have seen Thornley with, with Marina. But it's turned into Schweigman saw them together. Right. <laughs> That's not the case. And and what uh, the the Savoys are the people that uh, Schweigman wrote about. I do have their interview uh, from the archives. It's, uh, I got it under a Freedom of Information, and they do. It, it is it is one piece of evidence uh, that actually, uh, you know. I, Again, you, you, you talk about authors who are willing to work with you and talk to you. Adam Go Rightly, I, I owe him so much uh, for 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 coming out and uh, supporting my research uh, to, to some extent. Um, you know, I, I, I shared this uh, with him because it's it's really it's the only <laughs> piece of evidence that I can see that would contradict my blog. And I'm, I'm really, I'm willing to put it out there. And Adam was taking a look at it recently. And we were talking back and forth about it. And, and he said, you know, he goes, it doesn't, the timeline is wrong. And, and it would explain why that they were never called to testify. It would explain, you know, so much when, when you're looking at Thornley, and I appreciate you compliment about that, um, that article. And, and it kind of, I, I kind of, uh, it's, 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 I've never had 
twice since that article. Um, I, it's like uh, my blog doesn't exist. If, if yeah. <laughs> she probably blocked you. Which is, is, is quite amusing. Which is quite amusing to me because to me it means I have nailed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm not being. You know, I. I, I feel very vindicated myself. But uh, to 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 talk about um, Thornley as if he were there, you're disregarding the fact that Garrison never brought Thornley to trial. <laughs> not right. ever. You have the controversy of. Um, the, the, the fact that he literally was not in New Orleans at the time the Savoys are saying he was. So right away they're suspect. Their memory is suspect. Um, when you look at um, the fact that the House Select Committee on Assassinations investigated Thornley specifically, went down that rabbit hole yeah. and came back up with an answer. He was not there. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I would like to think that, that you know, it, it, you can't take um, one or two pieces of evidence out of context. And I, honestly, I, I, I can't wait to the day because I am, I'm going to go down to New Orleans. It's either going to be myself or I have a buddy who's, who's planning a trip down there. To the conference? Uh, we're getting that document. <laughs> are you going down for a conference or uh, are you just going down? It's the New Orleans Public, no, I'm not going down for that. Library has got the document there in most Garrison's papers, and and I guarantee you, it's going to show <laughs> that Schweigman never ever <laughs> said he saw Oz, uh, saw Mrs. Oswald with uh, with with Thornley. It's going to show that his employee, he, one of his employees, was telling him about it, and he wanted Garrison to know. Right. It's it, but it's it's again, it's little bits of truth. Uh, mixed in to support a hypothesis, um, but the Thornley article was fun. It was th that was really eye opening for me. Uh, I've had a, a, a conversation with, uh, obviously, with Adam Go Rightly. I've had conversations with uh, another person who I won't use their name, but they knew Thornley as well. Um, a lot of Thornley's undoing, in my opinion, is he he appeared to like to try and sell his book or get people interested in his book by weaving in <laughs> yeah. uh, himself into the story. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that seems to have gotten him into a little bit of trouble with, with, with Garrison, per se, you know? Oh, yeah, because um, Garrison, Garrison had a hard-on for him, man. And oh, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was really trying to, 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 you know, to buck him down and, and enlist in the help of Weisberg to do so. And even then, like, with, with Weisberg, um, you know, the methodology in which he went at him by, by taking, you know, photographs and altering them um, was really, I think, the wrong approach. And I'm not trying to say everything Harold Weisberg did was junk. That, that, that's, that's, that's another tactic, tactic that got used in the midst of this debate was I was dismissing all of Weisberg's work and disrespecting him in some way. No, it's not disrespectful. I mean, if I if I were to uh, publish something incredibly wrong, I would you know turn around and admit I had a mistake in my research. Um, this is a case of you altered the guy's photograph. Yeah. <laughs> and started showing it around town. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you go back and you, and you read uh, Weisberg's book Oswald in New Orleans, I don't think he he actually got into those Thornley allegations in that book. Really, honestly, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, it's been a while since I read it, but. Um, you know, it seemed to me like at, 
when it comes when it when it came to his writing, he would stick more to the to you know what the documents said and uh, what could be substantiated rather than venturing off into, into maybe land. Um, but who, you know who knows. somebody's methodology without dismissing everything that they ever did. Right. Some of the that he did, he did without the benefit of the AARB. Yeah. I mean, you look at how the AARB has changed. <laughs> you know, when you when you look at the documents that are there that are released now, I, I Christmas is 2017. That's the way I keep looking at it in my head. Is you know, much like Jefferson Morley, I think. Uh, and I, I I haven't spoken extensively with him, but he he has answered my questions before. But I I think of uh, you know his lawsuit to try and get uh, Joe and Edie's uh, files released. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I look at 2017 as, you know, this is going to be a great, you know, if the documents get released, if we start to see some of the stuff on Phillips, which, by the way, I did want to throw out there tonight, um, to, to, you know, that as we're as we're talking, I, I, your your uh, your your book on the Russians there got me uh, to the point where I ordered another book. Uh, let me see if I can. It's, it was just recently published about the uh, the Cuban end of things. Um, oh, Matt, where's your brain? Hold on, Rob. Let me see if I can find the book. Was it Newman's book? New book? No, 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 no. His his book. Uh, well, well, I love it. Um, it doesn't get far, you know, into. Uh, hold on, let me see. I can't remember if it's in my nook or if it's on my Castro Secrets. There it is. It's by Brian Littell. Oh, okay. I, don't, I haven't heard of that one. Um, yep, it just... Hold on. Yeah, uh, let me see if I can get to the page on Phillips. I'll read it to you. It's really cool. Um, okay. He, he talks about... And Phillips kind of had... Uh, wrote about a little incident in his... Uh, his his autobiography there, uh, the Night Watch. He wrote about getting a, a, a Russian deported. <laughs> like, it was either a Russian or a Cuban. It was, I think it was a Cuban. Got, it was a Cuban that got sent back to uh, Cuba from Mexico City. And uh, another one that they uh, that they he didn't write about it in his book, but uh, somebody from the consulate got accused of being a spy and the CIA set them up like they weren't spying but <laughs> so they wound up in jail and in prison and uh, this author has written that um, I, I found it very interesting his theory about the whole more more Morris Bishop I killed I still call it Morris because uh, <laughs> because that was originally what the name was and it's transferred into Maurice over time right uh, his cabinet, uh, here we go. Uh, according to some Kennedy assassination conspiracy theorists who have been taken in by disinformation, Phillips used the alias Morris or Maurice Bishop when supposedly meeting with Oswald as a CIA case officer. Cuban intelligence may not have been the first to promote this canard, but counterintelligence general Fabian Escalante soon came out, became one of its most prolific propagators. Cuban government commentators and others have repeated it ad nauseum. The CIA has denied any knowledge of Bishop and that it had any dealings with Oswald, and Phillips successfully sued publications in the United States uh, and 
Britain that alleged he used the alias to meet with Oswald. Of course, he could not sue the Cuban government media, and undeterred, they have continued to proclaim the infamous lie that he was a CIA conspirator in the Kennedy assassination. Even some otherwise sensible American scholars have been taken in by it. Um, nice. <laughs> so his, his whole thing is that this was... Uh, it, 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 I, I gotta find the if you get the book, it's it's a real interesting read. But you, you go into uh, he goes into the fact that that the intelligence agencies played these kinds of games where they tried to mess with the other guy's agents, and Phillips was a prime target because he had been so successful at waging psychological war right. that, that the whole bishop thing is coming out of Cuban intelligence, and uh, that's another area I'm going to do more research on. I know we have Mr. Vesiana. Um, Saying that uh, you know now, some thirty years after uh, his HSCA testimony, uh, saying that it was Phillips. Uh, I believe he did that last fall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with why you've had every opportunity all this time, uh, and I don't want to. I mean, the man has lived his life, and I don't. You know, until I research it. I'm not gonna come out and make any claims one way or another, but I have issue with that because you've had a you've had a long time to set the historical record correct, and it's really hard for me to jump in and believe you now. And and I I'd love to follow up uh, this this book that I just read to you from uh, again. It's uh, what did I say it was Castro's secrets? Yeah. Um, to find out where he's getting this Morris Bishop stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because it really does sound like he thinks it was a Cuban operation to really ruin Phillips. <laughs> so, <laughs> always, always interesting in the world of spying, isn't it? You, you just yeah. don't know what the truth is. And, I mean, you got to remember, you know, I mean, Vesiana was shot in the head and, uh, in the late 70s, uh, you know, which, Absolutely. which could make you not want to say anything. But, you, you know, you also got to remember this guy was a terrorist. He blew up an airplane with innocent people on it. <laughs> you know, so. yeah, he, he, yes, he, he certainly ran in rough circles, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you can't, I can't put put my all my trust in what he's saying. Um, you know, it could be a, a case of, you know, you know, maybe it's something that people wanted to hear or, you know, who, who knows? I mean... You know the, the the research community has been bugging the hell out of him to to come to come clean for some time after you know Gate and Fonzie's book, the last investigation, pretty much you know without having Vesiana confirmation, you know uh, you know pretty much alleged that Bishop was Phillips. But um, I love that book, by the way. I, I yeah. love the work Fonzie did. Yeah, it's a um, and Fonzie great book. also was involved in the investigation of Thornley. <laughs> was he? <laughs> so. You don't see him claiming Thornley was in was in, uh, was in uh, uh, New Orleans with Oswald, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one of the first things I asked Adam when I had him on the show. I was like, you know, I don't even think Thornley was in New Orleans at that time, and you know, and he didn't either. And that's what that's what started it all, you know. If anything, there was maybe a week or two overlap in September of 1963, just before Oswald left. If anything but it's not it's not, it's the, not the window that that uh you know the, the baker story intersects with um one other interesting thing about Vesiana, and this is where you know, little folders on my uh computer and i again i i would love to talk to him i'd love to sit down this is one of those people that i'm sure anybody out there in the research community would love to see and speak with firsthand um um, I, I go back to um, 
I believe it's his brother-in-law worked for Cuban intelligence or was some type of, uh, you know, <laughs> big wig within, you know, uh, within Cuba that they had tried to get to defect or at least become a double agent um, through Vesiana, if I'm not mistaken. And again, I'm talking off the top of my head and I, I don't, you know, it's one of those, I've got the file here for me to go back and, and start doing some some digging but I, like i said to you I, right now i'm in the uh i'm in the phillips mexico city zone and i can't seem to get out of it it's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been about 18 months 19 months of document after document after document but red sheet right now that i'm available sooner rather than later on my, my blog uh where i am going backwards uh from about a week or two after the assassination, uh, backwards in time, trying to get all of the cables out of Mexico City and into Mexico City, right. uh, charted on a spreadsheet with links to the cables so that people can, you know, use it as a resource, much like I did with um, uh, when you go back to some of the things that I started doing with the um, uh, Oswald is in the doorway. I, I charted out all of the witness statements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of all of the employees from the Texas school books. It was links for anybody who wants to go and actually read them because, you know, I know the amount of time it takes to find these documents. So right now I'm, I'm gosh, I want to say I'm 30 or 40 documents into the spreadsheet. Um, and I, I have to thank Bill Simpich for, for inspiring me to do this. He, he had emailed me back asking me if I had ever, you know, done a, a document list. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. So, yeah, I'm, I'm at about 52 documents um, in chronological order, even down to I'm, I'm, uh, I'm putting the, uh, the CIA cables used Zulu time, um, Greenwich right. time, so that you could. You know, that, that was the official timestamp, so that you know you weren't dealing with oh, it's you know six o'clock in Mexico City and you know twelve o'clock in Washington D.C. or whatever. You know, so yeah. it's 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 uh, and I know the time difference isn't that much, but it, it's it's really interesting to um, look at the cables in chronological order, the back and forth. Um, but I, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm going to put that up. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, at least September 27th. And uh, I'm, I'm somewhere around the 19th of November going backwards, just charting out even the innocuous ones. You know, what was the cable trans, you know, the, the cable traffic. And yeah, then um, awesome. doing this, I kind of came across some interesting things in October as well. Um, around the time of the Mystery Man, who was still being photographed around October 15th, if memory serves. Um, you know, there was a big uh, Chinese something going on in Mexico City at that time where the communists from China were in town. <laughs> and uh, I think, think I've got this whole, uh, if, if, I, if I'm reading everything correctly, this is where you, you, know, you love to have like a signature. Recording devices, uh, a cable with uh, you know, work being done to set up recording in the floor, recording microphones in the floor of this room um, to try and <laughs> get the uh, get the information on this big visit. So it's kind of got me wondering as to you know when you go back and look at how I mean, on all, for all intents and purposes, it looks like they failed miserably when Oswald visited. What was going on at the time that? They didn't have the reason. Was it a question of resources? Was it a question of? And then I'm finding that you know they're, they're, this, they were getting ready for these Chinese people coming into 
city and you start wondering were they so busy you know trying to set up operations for for these visitors <laughs> to try and get intel that they just dropped the ball you know yeah. over there but that's just another little hypothesis that's that's, that's in its kernel form right now <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that's awesome um is there anything else you wanted to get into today matthew no, 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 not at all, not at all. I mean, I, I remember. Uh, what was I going to say? It was about something. Hey, Rob. About, yeah. Can you hear me? Rob, I can't. I can't hear you now. Now I can hear you. Okay, I got you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, it had it had to go back to the people in the doorway. I don't know. I can't remember it now. Don't worry about it. Um. So yeah. So that's what's on the horizon coming up for uh, to, to seek a newer world, right? Hopefully. Yeah, you know, it, 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 that was my first attempt at blogging. Um, Zach and Trish, I, I, they had done their pixelation analysis, uh, uh, you know, their response, I believe, to uh, Baker's initial <laughs> yeah. article. Um, That's what I wanted to tell me. you. That's what I wanted to tell you real quick. Um, I went to the conference last year that she was at, the uh, Warren Commission conference. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I actually got to oh, hear... Oh, that's right. I saw some pictures of you. You, yeah. you posted pictures, I think, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually got to sit there and hear her presentation. Um, and she actually did a little short presentation uh, on the, her pixelation study and how she came to her conclusions. And you mentioned Zach and Trish uh, and their debunked blog um, and the great work they did debunking, the, the debunking uh, her pixelation study. And, uh, you know, it got me to thinking, you know, I was like... And there was a lot of questionable people at this conference, you know what I mean? I was secretly wishing that I'd gone to the other conference, you know, because uh, I got some questions from Buell Frazier, and, uh, you know, it'd been nice to talk to, you know, people like uh, uh, Vesiana, you know, for instance, you know, and, and Joan Mellon and all the people that were over there. And, uh, but it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, but I, I was thinking about was, playing some of the audio because I did record her little presentation. I was thinking about uh, playing some of the audio for this, but it, it, we were sitting so far back, it's it's not really, uh, I probably wouldn't be usable uh, to do it on the show. But I mean, I can I can hear it, and it's it, I'm just sitting there shaking my head the whole time, Matthew. If, if uh, I'd love to hear it at some point, um, <laughs> I might try to tack it on just, the end of this. I, I, um, that was, that was what got me going is I think Zach, if I, if memory is correct, God, it was only a year ago, but so much happens in a year. If I remember right, Zach went at it from, uh, an analysis of her methodology, if I remember correctly. And, and yeah. uh, he, he kind of proved that, you know, if you don't zero in the white, then everything else is pointless. If, if I remember right. And, um, I kind of went at it from, uh, uh, my initial, blog was i'm going to operate from the assumption that oswald was telling the truth yeah. <laughs> and oswald's statements to you know and, and everybody clings to fritz's you know he was outside which that is useless that is not being portrayed historically accurate um it's been misinterpreted the, yeah it's been misrepresented absolutely so i i, I wanted to go at it from a, a standpoint of i'm going to assume everything oswald has said was the truth and one of the things he said was he went home and changed and if he yep. went home and changed there would be 
<laughs> he would not have been arrested in the shirt that she did her analysis on. Yeah, that was a that was a big sticking point when I was doing my blog and talking to Fetzer. I was like, "Look, I said you want to you want to talk about Fritz's notes, okay? Um, where you misinterpret his line about being out front with Bill Shelley." Um, he also says in there twice, as a matter of fact, that he went home and changed his trousers and shirt. He said it on Friday and he said it on Saturday. You are correct, sir. Yeah. And, and nobody, we have zero people, okay, zero testimony from any of his coworkers or anybody in the building that day that says he was wearing that ugly-ass orange-brown shirt at work that day. Not one person. The only, I think the only person that seems to think she saw him was, uh, what was his landlady's name that was, a former landlady that was on the bus. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's sketchy. She's, I, I know, I, I, I understand this controversy around that, but I, I, in my research, I think she's the only one that I came across that ever even yeah, put the it only in that one. shirt. Um, but, um, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting, you know, and I, I caught a little bit of flack for that blog. Um, there was a, there was a, somebody wrote a, a, a response that was less than flattering of my work. Um, but I, I really enjoy sometimes playing that game where, okay, I'm going to assume the man is telling me the truth yeah. about everything. Does the, does the, does it, does it show? And, and you go through the laundry, you go through the, the, the they kept records uh, of everything they took out of that apartment. And, um, you know, it's, it's not there. It's not there that he, he had dirty clothes yeah. <laughs> at home. <laughs> so, I don't know. The whole thing, you know, you, you get frustrated uh, as somebody who wants to find the truth uh, when uh, a hypothesis is put forward uh, and supported blindly, despite all the evidence. I, you go back to, there were two FBI agents in the room. There was a postal inspector at some point. There were multiple people who wrote reports about the interrogation of Oswald. But we're going to cling to Fritz's notes, <laughs> yeah. which even in Fritz's type report, the type report doesn't say he was outside. It yeah. talk, you know, it, 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 for for it to have been a conspiracy, every single one of these people had to be in on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in Fritz's own, own words thing. to the Warren Commission, you know, he, he admitted writing his notes after Oswald was dead because he knew <laughs> that, you know, that people were going to want some kind of a record of the interrogation. So he wrote this note yeah. three days later. Uh, I would have been on the phone with my FBI buddy going, can you tell me what was said? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they're so similar. They're so similar that might be, you know, it might've took place like that. Cause I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of the same kind of things said, you know, unless he has a really, really good memory. I don't know. Um, but the, my favorite part of that story, Matthew, is that Judith Baker bought him that shirt. In New Orleans. Ah, uh, yeah. You know. I can't prove it one way or another. Can you? <laughs> no. Can't. <laughs> I can only say it. That's the weirdest, you know, I, I, the weirdest I, I, damn shirt I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it looks like a jacket. It's got weird buttonholes and collar and cuffs and... Uh, I don't know. Well, I think... I wrote a follow-up article. If my, my brain is still working. I don't know if I still have it up on the, the page. Oswald fires his defense team <laughs> because you, you, you take the shirt fibers and they appear in the butt plate, if I'm not mistaken, of the rifle. Yeah. You know, like, 
Uh, like if Oswald were alive, he would have. Well, that's that's suspect though. I mean, they they couldn't. How did the the guy phrase it? He couldn't exclude it to any one particular shirt, but the fibers were consistent. You know. Yeah. So you know, people cling to that as not being a valid analysis. But um, you know, I, I, if I've just shot a gun, I certainly don't want the clothes to be tied in in any way, shape, or form no. <laughs> to what went down. Um, but um, no, it's. Um, you know, Rob, there's, there's a lot we can talk about here. Oh, I know. Like, his <laughs> landlady said that, you know, when he came in the door, he came in the door in his shirt sleeves. Now, to me, that sounds like a short sleeve shirt, like a t-shirt. T-shirt. Yep. So, yep. you have that, you know, as well as you have a signed affidavit from Billy Lovelady and his wife to, I believe it was Robert Groden, who stated unequivocally that that was him wearing that shirt in the doorway that day, you know, and it's just, I don't know, that, that whole, that, it makes, it makes the conspiracy side look so horrible when you have all these nuts and kooks and, and disinfo floating around out there and, and you do, you know, you feel the need to, to, uh, to correct it and set the record straight. It's, it's part of the reason why I stopped participating in the, the discussion groups. Because yeah. I felt like I was spending so much time, you know, trying to discuss things that had been, you know, as, as you know, they, they've been debunked. And you get caught up in, in, in these conversations that I stopped really doing real research. And it's it's kind of been a nice yeah. step back for me to, to not be in those rooms where I get, I, I, it's something about me. I can't stop. When I see something that I know is historically wrong, I want to write it. Yeah. And, and I wind up, you know, just being sidetracked from really continuing on my own journey. Um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, I get tempted every once in a while to go back and visit, but it's... It's uh, it's not a place where I have found it has inspired me um, to, to 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 research seriously. You know, we can we can go back and forth about the Mauser how many times. Yeah. We can go back and forth about you know uh, you know the, well, there's plenty. Uh, was he on the bus or how did he get home? Did he shoot Tippett like you said before? I mean, uh, you can go round and round and round about those things and never really discover the shrans you know yeah never get <laughs> anywhere never, never discover some of these side stories and these these interesting tales um one of my one of one of the things that i did go into hypothesizing was that phillips uh, are you familiar with the Val alvarado story uh i might once you start telling it he uh he was a nicaraguan who who showed up at the embassy um Claiming that he saw Oswald receive money inside the Cuban embassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I went into my research around that with with the lens of, and again, I go back to I like to play games where you know I come at it from the conspiracy end and I try and prove the conspiracy right. Um, I had this hypothesis that Phillips was responsible for Alvarado, Al Alvarado, and other authors actually. I think Jefferson Morley alludes to that that he believes there was a connection between Phillips and Alvarado. Um, but my research has not led me to a, con a conclusion about it, other than I know Phillips was involved in debunking that story. And I, I, I go back to, you know, Phillips' main job, propaganda, Phillips' main job, you know, would have been, it, it, 
you know, I, I could see the man's mind working. Take advantage of the situation and create, you know, create the story so that we get in and finish the job in Cuba. Yet he was involved initially. He felt that the man had told the truth. Um, and then as the days went by, I believe he walked into the embassy on the 25th. And by the 27th, they were handing him over to the Mexican authorities to be polygraphed because, because the story was unraveling. One of the big things about his story was that this transaction of money took place on September 18th. And I'm, all, I, all I can think of is I'm going at it from this lens of Phillips must have done this is, um, man, Phillips, Phillips is a professional. Why would he have his guy go in with the wrong date of the visit? Yes. <laughs> you know, that, that made no sense to me at all. So, you, you know, the hypothesis starts to unravel. But if you, if you spend your time debating the Mauser, if you spend your time, uh, you know, debating the, the doorway, yeah. you start to miss out on the opportunities to really explore this story uh, to its fullest potential. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's part of the reason why I, I haven't been going into those rooms anymore is, is it's, it, you can only debate the same thing so many times and, and you start to lose um, sight of, of some of the real rich stuff that's still, the stories that are still out there to be told. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's why I stopped blogging and because I, re- I realized one day I was like, look, I've been doing this for a year and a half. I've said everything I can say. It's just the same argument over and over again. You know, I, yeah. I'll give them some evidence of something and they'll, they'll take it and twist it or, you know, omit and, and, you know, somehow come up with something that, that they can point to that's totally crap anyway, but you still don't feel the need to refute it. And it's just a never ending process. And like you said, you know, you're missing out on that time. You could be spent actually doing real research. Um, you know, but shit, man, somebody has got to do it. And, and I do think, you know, that, and I'd say in the past, two years i have seen um well jim fetzer he never really got involved in too many of the groups but ralph sinkay has been kicked out of i know at least at least 10 groups uh he's not relevant anymore no you know he's just not and he's been uh marginalized yeah and yeah and, and like somebody else you know like like judith baker she was all over the place at the beginning of the year and, and late last year and all these groups and and now she's gone she stays in her own little group now and uh there's a reason for that <laughs> you know um yeah. she's been debunked and it's it's um you know i i, I think of um some I, I i will talk about zach and trish and carmine and i, I don't think any one of them would ever be ashamed to say I was wrong or I made a mistake in my research or I didn't see this or that document kind of disproves what I've done. I think you're dealing with some of the newer people in this dialogue um, are very willing to have intelligent conversations and make mistakes uh, when it's backed up by evidence and you look at the behavior I guess that's where I, I'm going with, you, you're talking about, you know, in the past year, you're right. We, th- there's been a withdrawal from groups. Uh, there's been promises made for firsthand evidence that's never come out. Yep. Uh, and now we've uh, 
privatized my own, you know, the groups that I control so that nobody can see what's going on in there. Yep. So I'm not open to debate. I'm not open to a, a, a serious look at the historical evidence. I did about six weeks ago uh, make an attempt at a, a, a group, and within 15 minutes of me posting links to primary sources, I was kicked out of the group. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and I, I just laughed. I'm like, this is why I don't get involved in these things. But I guess my point is, is you know, you don't see Zach and Trish running from conversation. You don't see Gail running from conversation. You don't see Carmine running from conversation. You see them willing to engage. Okay, so you found something. Let's take a look at it. Oh, well, yeah, I, I can't, I can't tell you the, the amount of documents that get shared amongst us. That, oh, no, I'm not seeing it. Look, this is what I found. Yeah. Great intelligent conversation with nobody running out of the room, creating their own private group so that you, exactly. <laughs> you can't engage with them. Oh, and, and I think that's that's very telling. It is. And you know what else is great? The block button. <laughs> My life <laughs> has gotten a lot quieter in the past year just from blocking certain people out there that just... I don't, I don't want to hear what they have to say. And, it, you know, I know, I, and I'm guilty of it, and I'll admit it, I do speculate on some things, but you kind of have to, to a, you know, when you get to a certain point, you can only take it so far with primary sources and documents and testimony. The rest, unless something we find out in the future, you know, is left to speculation based on, you know, the primary documents, the witness testimony. Christmas is coming, my friend. Yeah, I know. I know. know, That's what I keep telling myself is is all of these things that I think I know and I understand could totally be blown out of the water (laughs) with the release of more documents. Yeah. you know, that's, that's I, I think, exciting. I don't look at it as, oh, my gosh, I failed. I look at it as you make your best determination on the on the evidence you have. And some of it, you're right. You do have to have some, some intuition, uh, some, you know, this doesn't look right, uh, some, I'm really suspicious about this. Yeah. Phillips isn't off the hook with me. He's not. I, he's he's like the anti-hero with me. There are there are so many things I would love to have met the man, but I also recognize this is a man who toppled governments. Yeah, <laughs> and I, that's which which he, he probably would have played you like you know, a fiddle. You know what I mean? They, you, <laughs> oh my god, he would have played me like a fiddle just because <laughs> I'm sitting here like somewhat enamored with that fact. You know, yeah. with the the. Yeah, the whole thing. I, I, and, I, and then there's the human side of me that's like, wait a minute, we're talking about people's lives. You know, we're talking about people actually died in Guatemala. We're talking about people actually died in Argentina. Um, elected governments were overthrown. You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be too happy if somebody came and overthrew my government. Right. So, <laughs> so it's, 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 I don't want to say uh, he's a hero. I don't, I don't. I struggle with the man. It's a love-hate relationship that I have with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know, he, in his love-hate own mind, he, he probably thought, you know, that he was doing things for the greater good of the United States of America, you know, and maybe Absolutely. he was. You know what I mean? So, And that, you know. you're hitting on something that I do believe there was a sense of honor, a code of honor amongst some of the men that were in the 
initial founding of the CIA that, that they really did believe that there was the, the, the threat to civilization. Um, I don't know that some of their codes of honor would have allowed them to have participated in the assassination of the president. And I, I, I struggle with that. Yeah. I do struggle with that. I mean, a lot of them, you know, it was always God, family, country. But some of them are country, family, God. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a different yeah. order for different people. And trust me, yeah. there's a lot of them out there, especially back then, that were putting country first and foremost. I, I, I don't disagree. Um so I, again, I go back to, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I struggle with, um, actually, I just, I, I've been reading a little bit of uh, E. Howard Hunt and some of his memoirs. And um, again, you go back to, uh, he was ticked off. He writes about being ticked off at Phillips for saying he did some things in, in the Night's Watch that he didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a fiction book. I mean, come you know, on. <laughs> you know, so, so then you, you start to you, know, you look at the, and, and believe me, the Night's Watch it, it is purely uh, it's like fan fiction mixed in with like again, I go, you know, it's 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 kind of what we struggle with with people who mix in the facts with uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, with he, some fiction. He, he certainly would have known that he the facts. In that book is, yeah. is purely to the direction of the CIA. Like they don't want sources revealed. They don't right. want people given up. They don't want their you know the way they gather intelligence threatened. So he had to make up stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, Hunt writes in, his, in, in the book that I was just reading last month uh, about being really ticked off at him. And I sit there and I'm reading this and I'm like, were you ticked off enough at him that you make this deathbed confession to just mess with him? Like, yeah. <laughs> as you're going out the door? <laughs> well, I've always thought but, that too, that, that that could have been the giant middle finger, you know, to the CIA on his way into oh, the next life. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I mean, well, see, a lot of people put 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 a lot of weight to it, but you know, I'm more of the thing that look. Either either one or two possibilities, or maybe three, but maybe you know this guy was CIA to the last dying breath. You know what I mean? And 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 put out purposeful misinformation. Or B, it was a giant middle finger to the CIA for everything they put him through, you know, or it was the truth. So, those are your three options. I mean, take your pick. There's a, it's, it's, and that's, you know, that's one of the things um, I, I, I enjoy in my dialogue with uh, Carmine, um, is he'll talk about the fact that he likes to propose hypotheses, multiple hypotheses that could make sense and, and follow them through. And, uh, you know, you just did it right there. There's, there's either you believe Hunt <laughs> or he yeah. had a reason for doing it or, you know, or what was the reason? Um, you know, we're talking about a man whose wife died in a mysterious plane crash. Um, how do you get over something like that? I don't know that you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the man had kids. He had another wife, another family after that, and you know, you just you don't know. I mean, you're not gonna. I, if it was me, I wouldn't put my family in danger and spout out the truth as I'm going out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, that's just me. Well, I, I I still think 
we're a ways away. And I think the fun part about looking at some of these books that have been written in the past, you know, I'm thinking of Phillips uh, in particular, because again, I told you I've been obsessing over the man for 18 months. Um, They never expected the documents to be released. (laughs) They never, ever thought we would be looking at cables. (laughs) I don't even think they'd think we'd read the Warren report, you know? No. (laughs) Or look at the 26th volume. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's that famous quote from Alan Dulles that says, you know, people are too stupid to to read or, you know, something to that effect, but, you know. Isn't that the truth, though? Well, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, I'd, I'd probably say 98% true. Yeah. I mean, we're a small group of people uh, with a narrow focus. And, uh, you know, it's not like there's a lot of us left, you know, 50, almost 52 I, years later. But we're still here, you know. And I, you know my, my, my father is always looking at me going, why are you so fascinated by this? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I laugh because, you know, he's like, you weren't alive. I don't understand. I'm like, that, that, that experience of going to the Kennedy Library with you and Ma at a young age <laughs> did something to me. So you're to blame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, 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 um, I, I cannot imagine that Dave Phillips would have ever expected, uh, you know, Matt Shifley to be sitting in his living room, uh, reading the actual cables about Eldon Henson, um, yeah. to realize that he was lying. In, well, not lying, but telling a necessary tale in his book to protect sources. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't want to call him a liar. He, 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 he you know, that, that book had, to go through CIA channels before he could get it published. Right. So he had to make changes, uh, or it never would have, it never would have seen the light of day. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's always amazing to me that, you know, you put your, you put that lens on Would Richard Helms would, would Angleton ever think somebody is sitting in their living room reading the cable about him going through Winscott's safe. <laughs> no, no, they, they would have thought this stuff would have been locked up forever. Nobody was ever going to see it, but it's out there. It's, it's there for us to see. And, and, you know, I, I, I love, you know, uh, if you haven't read our man in Mexico, uh, Jefferson Morley's work uh, in that book is just so inspiring um and and i look at what he's you know he's trying to fight the fight to get these documents released and um i I would imagine for someone like him as as much as you and me and, and, and a few of our other uh you know names that we've discussed around here it's like christmas is coming you know we're, we're two years away from christmas and either they're gonna you know you watch they're gonna keep some of back still oh yeah <laughs> they're gonna keep some of it back still but every time something gets released isn't it exciting because you you, you, you learn more yeah I mean, even if there is no smoking gun change yeah i mean even if there's no smoking gun in there we're still gonna have more to work with than we did before and then and then you know it's the big the long run, wait uh, until uh 2039 <laughs> my, my money's down that there's no smoking gun yeah probably not you know, my, my money's down that it will change some of the lenses that we have looked at this through. Um, it was it was funny. I was telling a, a friend the other day. I, I I'm curious to see if Cuba will eventually start releasing documents. Um, now that we have uh, reopened our embassy, you know, what yeah. do they have? 
that that we would you know that, that they've kept that would be uh, useful. I I I'm really curious about you know when Scott seemed really convinced as well as Ambassador Mann that there was a Cuban involvement in all of this, and I, I'm real curious. You know, are, are there going to be documents that we will ever see? To shed light on that, what do the Mexican, what does the Mexican government have? I don't think we'll see anything if Trump gets elected. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I am curious as to what other intelligence agencies had going on in Mexico City, which was the it was fertile spy zone. I mean, it was as rich as they come with yeah. with uh, intelligence operations. Uh, I found a cable. I told you about the the, the Chinese coming into Mexico, and there was like a whole cable. Well, I looked at last night about, uh, I think it was the LA, LA Fire was, uh, I believe, the airport operation that they had going. And uh, and uh, it, it noted that a uh, electronic specialist from uh, from, from uh, China was arriving, you know. So, the, you know, the spy game is an interesting game. And who knows? Who, who knows what, what was floated? I know um, Phillips came to the conclusion that uh, Alvarado that I was talking to about earlier, uh, that, that Nicaragua wanted to encourage us to go to war with Cuba because they wanted to be the leading communists. Right. So, <laughs> excuse me. So they were trying to trump up charges against Oswald to get us to take out Castro, you know? So you don't know. I guess what I'm getting at is when you're looking at all of this stuff, how much of it is the intelligence game that you're looking at? You know, what was real, what wasn't? I don't know. It's a lot of research. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the big, big problems is, is the intelligence connections, uh, you know, that could be exposed when it comes to Oswald one way or the other or, you know, how deep it goes. But I think that was part of the problem, you know, as far as the CIA, the FBI, and, and whoever else actually investigating the case right and the Warren Commission doing their job right and... You know, we're paying for it, and here we are 52 years later and still talking about it because they dropped the ball back then. And I think uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I go, uh, I don't know that I would say they dropped the ball. I think they did what they were supposed to do. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as as far as far a real investigation, you know. Uh, right, but I, I, from, from, a, from a you and I, the way we go out looking at things versus what they did, I, they had a purpose. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and, and they looked at the evidence from the lens of their purpose. And I I don't think, I, I think, you know, our times have changed. I don't know that we have, maybe it's coming out of post-Vietnam uh, and, and looking at the last, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was born in 1968. You know, you, you look at the distrust for government yeah. that has <laughs> evolved. And I, I, I think, I think, um, I don't think, when Johnson created the Warren Commission, he ever expected anyone to question the integrity of Earl Warren, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Right. But I don't think we hold, I don't think we're in a society, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later, that um, that people are putting their faith in what they're being told anymore. You know, and it's, it's, you're right. I, I think they dropped the ball. And, and when, when you think of it through the lens of, I want the real story, you know, but the reason they dropped the ball was they needed to protect 
resources. They needed to protect what was going on. You, you are talking about a man who bumped into multiple intelligence operations, yeah. either by coincidence or manipulation or... You know, he, he was who they, they want us to believe he was. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, they could have spun the, their investigation towards Russia, towards Cuba, sure. towards communists, towards, you know, they could have tied Oswald to God knows what, you know. And, you know, I think, there were, like, like well, you know, like you're saying, you know, there was that famous conversation between Lyndon Johnson and... Uh, Chief Justice Earl Warren, you know, that look, you, you hold in your hands the lives of millions of people if, if this country goes to a nuclear war, you know, and if it was to be determined that somehow there was ties through Oswald to Russia or Cuba, that people would have demanded retaliation for the killing of their president in the street, you know, and it's probably a good thing we didn't go to nuclear war back then, you know. We might not be so, here right now. Rob, I got a question. Yeah. I, I, I've never, I don't know where you lie on this. So what okay. do you think happened? To, uh... What, 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 do you, what is your take on the whole story? My take on the whole story? Um, yeah, today. I mean, granted, you know, you're... <laughs> I think I, you would recognize that if evidence came forward, we would still have the same respect for each other. I'm just curious from, from a... From a standpoint of, of of you, like, well, I'm definitely what, I'm definitely pro conspiracy. Do you think happened? Um, Who's the likely suspect? As far as pulling the trigger or planning? Either one. Well, just from where I'm at now, because you know it's a journey, Matthew. You know what I mean? It, absolutely. And it, it's been a long one, and my my feelings on the assassination, who was involved and who was behind it, have evolved over the years. You know, to where some information I'll learn kind of disqualifies what I'd previously thought. Oh, now it fades out. I can't hear you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you hear me now? I have no I have no idea what you just said, Rob. I think they're blocking us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying how how I think. That my opinion, because I've been looking at this for, what, 25 years, that over the years, as you learn new information, your opinion about what happened Absolutely. changes, you know? So, and it's a long journey, man. And everybody out there is on a different level of this journey. You got some people that have been looking at it for 52 years. You got some people that have been looking at it for a year, different ages, different interests, levels of interest. So, personally, personally, yeah, I'm definitely... I definitely think there was a conspiracy to kill Kennedy, no doubt. Um, I don't think Oswald was on the sixth floor shooting. Um, in fact, I don't know if anybody was on the sixth floor shooting, but I don't definitely don't think Oswald was. I think he was what he said he was, and that's a patsy. And I think, you know, when, when it comes down to brass tacks about it, I think... Um, Military intelligence was involved, and I'm talking from Joint Chiefs down. Um, you know, possibly CIA, and uh, you know, with all their connections to in, in uh, you know their undercover programs in Cuba and, and and this and that. But I think the extreme right wingers also had a big, very viable interest in wanting Kennedy dead. 
and and I didn't used to believe that until I started looking a little bit more at, at people like General Edwin Walker, um, you know, and, and investigating a lot of these interpen guys. Because um, for the life of me, Matthew, I I, I got I believe in my heart of hearts that Lawrence Howard and Lauren Hall were shooters that day in Dealey Plaza. And I'm not saying they were the only two, but I think that they were definitely, definitely on the ground shooting. And that's just from learning different things and investigating different things. That's that's where it's led me to this point. We're, we're, we're very similar. And, and, you know, again, and I, I like how you said it. It's a journey. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to their, to their, where they are in that journey. You know, um, I, 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 I haven't shared this with you. I, I, I read <laughs> Bugliosi's book from cover to cover. Uh-huh. Uh, gosh, right, right around when it came out. I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. A big book on Kennedy. I got to read it. <laughs> and I stopped. I was, I, I was, I think I was talking to Fred James about it, how I, I put it down. And I couldn't, I, I was like, it, it messed me up from the curiosity standpoint where I, I didn't want to agree with anything that was in it, but it stopped me from going forward and researching. And, um, I, I, you know, again, I, I think the 50th anniversary kind of got me going again. Um, I, I still think it's hard to pin down who I still believed in my heart of hearts uh, the, the, the mafia has something to do with it yeah. uh, on some level uh, be it you know uh, you know uh, the, the overlap in, in the hatred for Castro with certain members of the CIA uh, and Kennedy you know it, and, and you know yeah, yeah and um, I, I think you know the the so much of uh, my journey is. I, I mean, I, I like I said to you, I like to go with my hypothesis, and, and I was adamant at one point that it was the CIA. Period, hands down. Right. And more and more, I'm I'm, I'm I, I guess I get troubled by the whole Ruby aspect of things, and I keep going back to that in my mind. And uh, you know, do, do you really believe the man just walked in there and did that because of Mrs. Kennedy? And no. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. So I, I, I kind of think it's hard. I think there's blurred lines. Um, I, I'm not convinced it was one faction or the other. Uh, but I do think um, there's still a lot more to be uncovered. And I think, unfortunately, um, you know, like you said, you know, with, with uh, you pointing out Oswald bumping into so many different intelligence operations, it's hard to tell what. Was it pure luck? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, who knows? Well, the one thing, the one, the one thing, Matthew, and you know, I'm sure you can, you can probably point to one thing too that that changed my mind, and it was it was this damn Johnson 30 I six rifle, and it was picked up in Los Angeles by Lauren Hall, and this was Jerry Hemming's rifle, and. A couple weeks later, the day after the assassination, FBI agent Crow shows up at, at Roy Hathcock's office and is asking where Roy Payne is, who was his assistant. 
And uh, he's like, you know, why, why, you know, what do you want him for? And they tell him, what we found a rifle in Dallas with his fingerprints on it. And, of course, you know what happened in Dallas yesterday. So we're wondering where he's at. Well, he's, he's been here the whole time. So, but yet you don't hear any more from about this rifle in, in the whole narrative whatsoever. And Rob, I've never, this is the first time hearing of this. What? This is the first time hearing of this. All right, well, I'll send you, I'll send you a link you can read when, when we get off here. But yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was Jerry Hemming's rifle. He had pawned it to this, uh, private detective in Los Angeles. And, uh, Lauren Hall, Lawrence Howard picked the rifle up a couple weeks before the assassination. They, they, they paid for it with a, a check from the Demo, uh, was it? I don't know, one of the Free Free Cuba Committee or some, something, you know, one of those type organizations. They gave him a check for that and, uh, I don't know what, uh, some golf clubs or a camera or something, something else. Um, it was like three, three or 350 bucks is what they got it out for. But yeah, the, the FBI showed up at this guy's office the next day wondering why the rifle they just found yesterday had Roy Payne's fingerprints on it. So that tells me that, that, Somebody found this rifle in Dallas, okay? And somebody was very careful in handling it, not to leave their own fingerprints on it. Um, but the private detective said that, you know, when they had it there on Hawk, you know, that Roy Payne would take it out and, and fire it. And, and you know, because it was a cool gun, you know, it had like a, a 40 power scope on it or, or, or something to that effect, you know, a tripod, you know, it was a sniper rifle. And uh, so his, his fingerprints were all over it. And that's something that's hard to get around. And also, um, one of the few good things that, that Jim Fetzer's done in the past year or two is, is actually go interview uh, L.J. Delsa, who was on the HSCA. Um, he was an investigator for them out of New Orleans. And uh, he interviewed pe- people like Beckham and, and, and a lot of those New Orleans guys. But he actually went uh, with a buddy of his to meet Lawrence Howard in California at his house to question him. And he said, you know, it was real nice. Told him to come on in. And uh, he, Howard asked him if they were packing. And they, they were like, you know, no, we didn't travel with our weapons. And he's like, well, just so you know, I am. You know, and they sit down and start having this conversation. And Delsa's walking back out of the house with his partner. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I think we just met the son of a bitch that shot Jack. And... <laughs> He believed, and you know, this is a seasoned homicide investigator of 20 or 30 years at the time. You know, one of those guys with a good gut, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, he said, you know, the guy's a real smug bastard, you know, just, just cold as could be, you know. But he said he just had a feeling, you know, after meeting this guy, talking to him, and, and walking out, he looked at his partner and said, you know, I think we just met the son of a bitch and shot Jack. I was like, whoa. And then, and then when you start looking at, you know, at New Orleans, how, you know, Beckham's story of delivering materials to Lawrence Howard in Dallas, you know, a week before the assassination, you know, you, you start pin, pinning all these things together and you're like, you, you start getting this bigger picture. You're like, oh, shit, you know, well, maybe I got to look at this a little harder. And, you know, of course, all these, all these guys knew General Walker, you know, they, they knew the extreme right wingers, the, the, these rich guys, rich oil guys like Lester Logue and all these other guys in Dallas. And, you know, we know they were there. 
they were actually arrested in Dallas, you know, a couple weeks before the assassination. So, you know, it, it's something you got to look look hard at. But yeah, I'll send you that article, man, so you can so you can read the whole thing. You'd be like, whoa. When I come out of the, uh... Rob, I know you're talking, but I've lost you again. I'll go ahead. I'm, I'm done. Uh, when I um, when I come out of the, uh, the the rabbit hole that is Mexico City, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do some some research in, in that area. Um, it, what's one thing that just jumped into my mind as you were talking about Howard is I do believe Mellon writes about him uh, in her last book uh, with the Garrison investigation. Uh, 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 she, she's got some information about him in there. I don't know if you've read that or not. Yeah, Tom, Thomas Beckham, uh, he has he stated in his book and to the HSCA that he delivered a package to Lawrence Howard a week before the assassination that contained photographs, diagrams, something, something, whatever else, you know. And he said Howard was pissed when he when he got the package because something was missing. And, uh, of course, this package is coming from New Orleans, you know, where there's, uh, I think, not was it Vincent Marcello? Vincent Marcello was there. Um, Carlos's brother? Yeah. Uh, who else? You say, I think Clay Shaw was there. Uh, it was in the offices of G. Ray Gill that they packaged this thing up and they told him to get on an airplane to Dallas. Don't wear no jewelry. Don't talk to nobody. Just go straight there and give it to him. I'd love to read up on this because Marcello is is when I talk about the uh, when I when I uh, talk about my my suspicions around uh, the, the the mob. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite targets just because of what Bobby Kennedy did to him. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely send you that stuff, man, so you can check it out. Because you know, even because I mean, General Walker. Whether it's true or not, he believed that Oswald is the one who took a shot at him. And he believes that Oswald was arrested the next day and let go on orders of Bobby and Kennedy. So whether it's true or not, he believed it. (laughs) And if he believed that, especially after what they did to him, you know, and uh, sticking him in the loony bin for a little while and, and all that stuff and... You know, you're talking about serious motive, you know, especially like the John Birch Society and the rest of those guys that they put out the pamphlets and, the, you know, the ads in the paper and, uh, you know, wanted for treason. You know, these guys were not Kennedy fans at all, you know. Congress going after Hoffa, you know? Absolutely. He, he was not. He was a pit bull. Um, yeah. He was also very much the candidate for president in 1968. But again, you talked about that journey. That man changed as 
a result of his brother's death. Uh, right. His, his, his path uh, from who he was in the early 60s to, you know, who he, he was in 1968, uh, very different a very different candidate, um, a very different person. And, um, you know, I, I, I always, uh, laugh because it's, it's always hard with your heroes to reconcile the negative, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's always been, it's not an easy thing to do is to, to sit there and, and say, you know what, there was this side to both the brothers that I really don't like. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, to, to get that far, Matthew, you you, you got to have a, a, a ruthless side of you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You don't get there being a nice guy. No. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. But, um, no, it's, it's, it's exciting uh, to, to have this conversation with you this afternoon. Uh, no, it's been fun, man. Uh, Most definitely. Very very enjoyable uh, I, I was nervous about this as long as anybody's talked to me about this topic without <laughs> hanging up on me um, <laughs> but um, do you no, have any I, other questions of me at this point I, no I think we covered everything pretty good and, and look by the time people hear this over on tlgpodcast.com I will have a button put right on my website that goes directly to your website so all they have to do is go there and click a button. It'll be a permanent fixture on my website because I think you do great work, and that's why I wanted to feature you here on the show today. And, Matthew, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been really, really fun talking to you, and I hope you'll come back in the future. Hey, Rob, can I throw out one other thank you out there? Surely. Okay. Um, Dennis Morissette yeah. um, has been helping me editing my writing talking to me about am i really saying what i think i'm saying and he has been absolutely a godsend when it comes to uh to learning how to write and do a blog and and, and that and I, I i would be remiss if i didn't mention the time he's put into helping me uh, become better at what i do um and uh you know for that i send him a, a, a gratitude <laughs> yeah he's a great guy and <laughs> so also recently he started doing a blog so i'll put a link to that up too um he started doing his own blog he sent me a message and said i inspired him i'm like man you have no idea you know that, that meant a lot to me so yeah he's a, he's a great you know he's another one that i think uh constantly seeks out the truth you know and, yeah and, and uh his his contributions to to my growth as a blogger have been appreciated a lot of constructive feedback behind the scenes and uh, for anybody who does go to my page i hope to uh hopefully within the next couple of weeks maybe get some of the uh the links that i lost uh updated again because uh i guess mary farrell's not allowed on the url images to be linked anymore so i lost a lot of pictures that i had painstakingly learned to blog uh, <laughs> uh put into these documents so i've got a little bit of work cut out for me but my most recent work uh is very up to date um and that was the one on sylvia duran so uh anyway thank you rob for your time i appreciate it hey no problem at all man thank you you hang on the line for me matthew okay i'm gonna talk us out all right people Check out my buddy Doug Campbell over at the Dallas Action. He's still doing a show, doing it up big. My buddy Carmine over at Neopolis Media Group and TPAC.com. All these links for all everything I'm talking about you can find right on my website. They're a button away. 
Um, the ROKC guys, their conference is coming up in November in Australia. I know I have a lot of listeners out there in foreign lands, a lot in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, the closest probably you're ever going to get to being able to go to a JFK conference and learn, so please check them out. Uh, you heard the uh, commercial at the beginning of the show. There's a button on my website where you can get tickets and more information. And J- my buddy uh, Will over at JFK Primary Sources. Uh, that's primarysources.wix.com backslash home. There's a button for him, too, on the website. I just revamped my website, so i got to do all this here. And uh, a lot of the people that I believe in, I think, are doing good work. You're going to find there um, one click away. So check it out. It's got new content new layout a little bit uh, and if you'd like to donate to the show there's a donate button there as well this show is listener, listener supported every drop of a penny i get well goes back directly into making the show sound better and allowing me to be able to do things so i appreciate everybody out there that's listening uh it's it's growing immensely and i can't thank everybody out there enough there's some bitches in the can beamed up the satellite down directly to your ears people this is your boy peace right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.